Hello, everyone. I wish you a very warm welcome back to our podcast. And uh, wow, this is already the fourth episode of Ukraine Up to Date. And as we have quite a few new listeners, I would like to formally introduce myself to you again, so you know who is behind this podcast. I am Rika, and I am a member of Promote Ukraine for over a year now, actually. <laughs> and I usually help out with the social media. I was born in Ukraine, but I grew up in Germany since the age of five. <laughs> so please bear with me if my pronunciation of some Ukrainian words or names isn't the best. And right now I am living in the Netherlands, actually in Rotterdam to be more specific. And I'm currently doing my master's degree in political communication at the University of Amsterdam. But enough about myself, let's get back to the podcast. This is a podcast of Promote Ukraine, and the series is called Ukraine Up to Date. We bring out this podcast every Sunday, where we put together the most interesting, relevant, and important topics and events about Ukraine, and yeah, talk a little bit about it. So in case you want to stay on top of things that are happening in and around Ukraine, don't worry, we keep you up to date. So let's start with this week's topics, shall we? The first batch of COVID-19 vaccines under the global COVAX facility will arrive in Ukraine in one week. Ukraine will receive 117,000 doses of the Pfizer or the BioNTech vaccine, um, according to the Deputy Minister of Health for European Integration, Igor Ivashenko. I quote, Ukraine will start vaccination in February, so it will receive vaccines in one week. Our country was included in the list of countries to which the global COVAX facility will provide COVID-19 vaccines within the first wave of distribution. He also said that Ukraine would submit an additional request to the COVAX facility to increase the number of Pfizer vaccine doses. Ukrainian authorities expect to receive the vaccine in the second quarter of 2021. In addition, Ukraine is currently working on a mechanism for obtaining the vaccine as part of the redistribution of orders made by the European Union. Meanwhile, President of Ukraine Volodymyr Zelensky said in an interview with Axios, which was broadcasted in the, on the HBO platforms, that uh, Ukraine is not an equal member of the European Union or the world in terms of vaccination dates. Speaking about the delay in vaccination in Ukraine, uh, Zelensky said that there are several emotions about the global vaccination campaign. I quote, We are not among the priority countries of the world that receive vaccines like everyone else. I spoke with the leaders of the EU countries with which we have excellent relations and they said they would help us. Little by little using their vaccine supplies. I understand that it will be difficult to explain it to their people but they will give us a little bit somehow. It is very unpleasant to feel that you are begging with an outstretched hand. As a reminder, recently Ukrainian and Russian media outlets reported on plans to deliver the so-called Russian coronavirus vaccine called Sputnik to the territory of the occupied Donbass. Representatives of the occupation authorities said that the vaccine, which has not yet passed the third phase of clinical trials, is planned to be used in February to vaccinate people at risk. At the same time, the Russian Direct Investment Fund, the RDIF, which is responsible for the distribution of Sputnik, denied information about possible supplies to the Russian-occupied Donbass. Ukraine reacted to the opening of an honorary consulate of Nicaragua in Crimea 
and to post sanctions on the state. Given the low intensity of relations between these countries, this step is rather symbolic, but the fight cannot be lost. This decision was preceded by a long story. So Nicaragua belongs to a small group of countries that have recognized Crimea as part of Russia. The group includes Afghanistan, Venezuela, Cuba, Syria, Sudan, and North Korea. There was a short time when Vladimir Putin came up with a fantastic idea of organizing a global alternative to the West in the form of the BRICS under his own leadership. And in July 2014, he went on a Latin American tour in this imaginary role. The president of the Russian Federation unexpectedly changed the schedule and on the way from Cuba to Argentina turned to Nicaragua, to Daniel Ortega, who was a friend of the Soviet Union. It was a historic event, <laughs> the first ever visit of a Russian leader to Nicaragua. Russia, which at the time had already annexed Crimea and was uh, conducting a military operation in Donbass, was in every possible way interested in any international support. President Ortega, flattered by Putin's attention, promised the support. He said, I quote, We are ready to take part in Russia's initiatives to ensure peace both on the entire planet and in certain areas of your region. At that time, no one had any doubt about what peace and areas in the region, in quotation marks, uh, he was talking about. Just as Putin was returning from that tour when the presidential plane was heading from Brazil to Moscow, he was told that a Malaysia Airlines passenger plane had been shot down over the occupied territory in eastern Ukraine. Not a single circumstance prevented Nicaragua from recognizing Russian jurisdiction over Crimea, just as earlier it had been one of several countries that recognized the independence of Abkhazia and North Ossetia. In 2015, the then ambassador of Nicaragua, Juan Ernesto Vasquez Araya, paid a visit to Crimea. In the same year, President uh, Ortega was awarded the Order of Friendship of Peoples by Putin. The more isolated Russia became, the more important was the support from other world outcasts. Nicaragua, in turn, is subject to sanctions from the United States and other Western Hemisphere countries, which consider the regimes of Cuba, Nicaragua, and Venezuela to be part of the so-called Troika of Tyranny. The leaders of the Troika coordinate their actions with each other, suppressing the development of democracy in their own societies. President Ortega and his regime prefer personal gain and power to Nicaraguan calls for reform. Um, this is what the US Treasury Secretary Stephen Munchen said, announcing new sanctions against Nicaragua last December. Given this, it is not surprising that official Russia can easily find common ground with those tyrannies. In the summer of 2019, Ukrainian diplomacy learned about Nicaragua's plans to open an honorary consulate in Crimea. All warnings were ignored by the Nicaraguan side. Another circumstance that was supposed to humiliate Ukraine was the candidacy for the post of honorary consul. It was uh, Vice Admiral Oleg Belovensov, the honorary representative of the President of the Russian Federation in Crimea, during the operation to annex the peninsula and until 2016. 
According to participants in the 2014 Crimean events, Belovensev was the direct leader of political events in Crimea. Local puppets like Sergei Aksenov, head of the Republic of Crimea, obeyed him. In Soviet times, this graduate of the Military Diplomatic Academy was engaged in espionage, for which he was deported from London in, 18, in 1985. So his participation in the special operation was not accidental. Putin awarded him with the title of Hero of Russia in 2014 and the Order of Fidelity to Duty in April 2015. In addition, the former honorary presidential representative in Crimea is an honorary citizen of the Republic of Crimea. Ukraine also awarded the so-called hero, sentencing him to absentia to 13 years in prison for encroaching on the territorial integrity and inviolability of Ukraine, inciting high treason and waging an aggressive war against Ukraine. Recently, the 70-year-old 71-year-old Putin supporter retired from politics. He has been in retirement since the summer of 2018 when he resigns at the president's representative in the North Caucasian Federal District and withdrew from the Security Council. It is not surprising that a position was found for him, according to his age and merit, to head the Honorary Council of Nicaragua in Crimea in the region of the Vice Admiral's so-called combat merits to the Kremlin. Ukraine's reaction to these openly hostile actions by Nicaragua was as sharp as possible. An embargo was introduced on imports from Nicaragua, transportation from the territory of Ukraine, including transit, was stopped, the National Bank of Ukraine was prohibited from issuing permits for investments in Nicaragua, and all financial and economic obligations to this country were suspended. Ukraine should not follow any indulgence to the aggressor. Russia will continue to try and hush up and legalize its international crime by involving marginalized groups and outcasts of the global political stage. On Tuesday, the 2nd of February, President of Ukraine Volodymyr Zelensky issued a decree enacting a decision of the National Security and Defense Council, or short NSDC, on the application of sanctions against MP Taras Kozak and TV channels of the Novine Media Holding, so 112 Ukraine, News 1 and ZIG. These media outlets are directly related to pro-Russian politician Viktor Medvedchuk, who does not recognize Russia's aggression against Ukraine and has a close personal relationship with Russian President Vladimir Putin. Sanctions were imposed for a period of five years. The restrictive measures include blocking of assets, preventing uh, the withdrawal of capital from Ukraine, suspension of economic and financial obligations, revocation or suspension of licenses, prohibition of technology transfer, intellectual property rights, and the like. After this decision was made, all platforms one by one began to stop broadcasting these TV channels. Kozak called the NSDC's actions as, I quote, political reprisal on the part of Zelensky. And he also said, I quote again, the actions of the National Security and Defense Council of Ukraine against the TV channels 112 Ukraine, News 1 and ZIG, as well as the sanctions imposed on me personally, are illegal and this is another obvious act of censorship of TV channels. In his opinion, the head of states seems to be furious over the fall in the rating of his political force, the servant of the people. 
chairman of the National Union of Journalists of Ukraine, or short the NUJU, Serhiy Tomilenko, uh, called the sanctions against TV channels, I quote, an emergency situation and an attack on freedom of speech. He drew attention to the fact that the media outlets were blocked without a court decision. At the same time, Mikhailo Podolyak, an advisor to the head of the office of the president of Ukraine, called the NSDC's decision a natural response to daily information and propaganda attacks on the state. Podolyak stressed, quote, this is a completely transparent decision, motivated, factual. These TV channels are quite actively and openly uh, used as tools of foreign propaganda in Ukraine. Unfortunately, they no longer work the way it should be ordinary uh, television broadcasters. According to him, there is also evidence of strange sources of funding for these TV channels. In addition, the transfer of ownership to companies that have licenses is a matter of concern. According to the spokesperson of the president of Ukraine, Yulia Mendel, the imposition of sanctions against Taras Kozak took place in accordance with the resolution of the Verkhovna Rada of 2018 and the proposals of the Security Service of Ukraine. At the same time, she stressed that the blocking of TV channels from Viktor Medvedchuk's pool has nothing to do with an attack on freedom of speech in Ukraine, as these media outlets have long forgotten what journalistic standards, fact-checking or coverage of at least two points of views are. Mendel said, quote, instead, they have turned into a propaganda tool that is used in the interests of the aggressor state, which violated the sovereignty and state borders of Ukraine. Funding for these channels from Russia has already been confirmed. These media have become one of the tools of war against Ukraine, and therefore they were blocked in order to protect national security. At the same time, she called on broadcasters in Ukraine to abide by the law, ethical rules and journalistic standards, not to cooperate with the aggressor state and to avoid funding and imposition of editorial policies by the Kremlin. Minister of Foreign Affairs of Ukraine, Dmitry Kuleba, and EU High Representative for Foreign Affairs and Security Policy, the Vice President of the European Commission, Joseph Borrell, held a phone conversation to coordinate their positions ahead of Borrell's visit to Russia. Borrell assured Kuleba that EU policy towards Russia would not change until Russia fully complied with its obligations under the Minsk agreements. Kuleba said, I quote, Our conversation gives a clear signal that the policy of Ukraine and the EU towards Russia is coordinated, and Kiev and Brussels share a common vision of the strategic approaches to Russia. The parties discussed the situation in Russia and strongly condemned the violence against peaceful protesters, the brutal suppression of democratic protests by the Russian authorities, and systemic human rights violations in Russia in general. Kuleba raised the issue of introducing a new EU sanctions regime against Russia in the field of human rights, which, among other things, should apply to those guilty of persecuting Ukrainian citizens in the temporarily occupied Crimea. The interlocutors paid special attention to the forthcoming launch of the Crimean platform and the EU's support for this initiative. Kuleba informed Borrell about the current state of peaceful settlement of the Russian-Ukrainian war in Donbass within the framework of the Normandy format and the trilateral contact group. 
The minister briefed the interlocutor on the situation in the war zone in Donbass and the situation in the temporarily occupied Crimea. Borrell confirmed that he would inform the Russian side about a clear, unchanged position of the EU on non-recognition of the illegal attempted annexation of Crimea. The conversation touched upon the current issues on the agenda of Ukraine-EU relations, in particular preparations for a meeting of the EU-Ukraine Association Council in Brussels on the 11th February and the Eastern Partnership Summit scheduled for 2021. The EU High Representative said that he expected holding a successful meeting of the Association Council and expressed support for the implementation of the Ukraine-EU agenda. Borrell reaffirmed his intention to pay a visit to Ukraine, including a visit to the contact line in Donbass, as soon as COVID-19 restrictions allow doing this. The interlocutors agreed on further contacts. The Arbitration Institute of the Stockholm Chamber of Commerce has refused the three minority shareholders of the PGSC, Ukrnafta, um, so namely the Litop Enterprises, the Bridgement Ventures and Border Management, will not satisfy their claim against Ukraine for more than six billion US dollars and interest. The owners of the three offshore companies are oligarch Ihor Kalamiski and his partners Hennady Bohelubov and Ihor Palizia. In a post on his Facebook page, Minister of Justice of Ukraine, Denis Maluska, called the court ruling a super victory for the state. The minister said, and I quote, After almost six years of legitation, the arbitration completely refused them. The adjudication of the Stockholm arbitration was postponed several times. The plaintiffs seemed to suspect something and dragged out the process. But it has happened and the arbitration recognized the lack of its jurisdiction. At the same time, according to some Ukrainian media outlets, one of the arguments in the arbitration decision was that the plaintiff's alleged investments were related to bribery and corruption, which violates the principles of international public policy. As a reminder, Ukrainafta's minority shareholders filed a lawsuit with the Arbitration Institute of the Stockholm Chamber of Commerce in 2015, accusing Ukraine of causing damage due to the extraction of gas produced by Ukrainafta without payment or with uh, payment at a reduced price, non-compliance by Naftogas and Ukrutranskas with court decision, rapid increase in subsoil use rates, and reduction of quorum during meetings of joint stock companies. In early 2018, it became known that the claims of minority shareholders increased from 4.7 billion US dollars to 5.5 billion US dollars. As a result, this amount increased to more than 6 billion US dollars. On the 31st of January 2021, the Russian occupation forces used the Grad-P portable rocket system to shell the positions of the armed forces of Ukraine near the town of Avdivka in the Donetsk region. The permanent mission of Ukraine to the international organizations in Vienna announced this fact during a meeting of the OSC Forum for Security Cooperation, noting that this is a gross violation of the ceasefire. Deputy Permanent Representative of Ukraine to international organizations in Vienna, Igor Lasovsky said, I quote, 
Such actions reflect further disregard and violation by Russia and its forces in Donbas to the TCG decision of the 22nd of July 2020 that prohibits shelling, including with the use of sniper fire, and the Minsk agreement stipulating the withdrawal of heavy weapons on equal distances in order to establish a security zone of 50 kilometers at minimum between the sites for the artillery systems of 100 millimeters and those of a higher caliber. The Ukrainian side demonstrated to foreign diplomats photo evidence obtained from the explosion site and a tail assembly fragment of a 122 millimeter missile. In addition, the representatives of Ukraine informed that between the 25th of January and 31st of January, the armed formations of the Russian Federation violated the ceasefire 44 times, firing at the positions of the armed forces of Ukraine from various weapons, including mortars and sniper rifles. Losovsky said, as a result of these armed provocations, six Ukrainian servicemen were wounded in action. So that was it with this week's podcast. As usual, make sure to share your thoughts with us and we would be very happy if you would rate this podcast. If you want to have more information and read articles on other topics as well, you can visit promoteukraine.org. And if you haven't done so yet, make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and any other social platform. Um, you can find us everywhere under the name Promote Ukraine. But for now, I wish you a wonderful start into the week and we'll be back next week with some fresh and new information.